Hello and welcome to Imagine Me and Yurikuma. I am Panda, I am your host, and as always, I am here with Alice, my co-host. Alice, how are you tonight? I am doing great. Today we are here with a full fucking house. <laughs> tonight we are here with uh, wh- who has been our tried and true backup co-host, fill-in co-host for these past few episodes, Cass. Hi! Hello and hello. And we are back with the OG co-hosts of this podcast, Yasha and Ivana. Hey guys! Hi! (laughs) I am so excited that we have everyone here tonight because it's going to be a great It's a party. Big, big dunk on Sumika hours. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, you will probably have noticed due to (laughs) the title of this episode... But uh, we are talking about episode six of Yuri Kuma, the forest girl and the moon girl. Is it moon girl and forest girl? I think I got it backwards. Uh, But yeah, we're talking about the moon girl and the forest girl. And the reason for that is Yasha and Vana have been on personal leave and we were going to do just sort of a, a, a wrap up to have them finish out Yurikuma with us but we realized that there's a lot in these episodes and it doesn't really lend itself well to trying to just lump several episodes together in one discussion so we're doing um Vana, can I say what we have called these episodes? I don't want by all by all means. <laughs> I don't know if you want me to reveal your actual. I don't give a shit. Last, I think name. I've said it many times. Um, everywhere. I wouldn't be hard to find anyway. We're calling these episodes the Spadaro Cut or Spadaro Cut. I don't actually know how your last name is pronounced. Now that I have to think about it, Spadaro. Spadaro. Yeah. Okay. You can say Spadaro or however, because it's literally like, who cares? <laughs> I was saying Spadaro before, but then yeah. I got self-conscious about it. I'm not going to get all spiggy on you or anything. <laughs> so this is the Spadaro cut, and we're going to do a few of these to catch Yasha and Vana up on Yuri Kuma. And oh, God, Lord, help us. Okay. I know, because we have to finish out the series. We're halfway I through. Do. We, we might do. as well do it. And... I'm really excited about this episode because even though I'm very sorry that the episode that we've brought you back for features your least favorite character very prominently. I feel like, is, is this your least favorite character in all the Ikahara canon or is there someone worse? Um, hmm. ooh. Okay, I, well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to make that call until I've seen her whole plot line, though I have had a little bit of spoiler there. I'm gonna say no because Tatsuya. Yeah, Tatsuya exists. does exist, and I still deeply, deeply hate Tatsuya. You and hate him I- more than Sumika. Wait, is that the one that like whose name I just like refused to? That's to learn? the one. No, that was Suamuki. all like he's what, the onion. Wakaba can sleep with as many people as she like, and no matter how dirty that makes her, I'll take her back. You know what the problem uh, with Su- uh, you know him yeah. on top of that because that's also terrible. What nails that coffin for me, though, is the kind of meta materials and the thing and like commentary from the director and staff and stuff who clearly did think Tatsuya was a good guy 
Yeah. And that just kind of like nailed that coffin shut because if it, if it had been like, yeah, this asshole, we, he sucks. He's fuck him. Bad feminist, et cetera, et cetera. If they had realized they were making a garbage fire of a character, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that bad, but they thought they they were making a good character person, which definitely (sighs) a good person looks at the, the person they're in love with and goes, You've definitely been soiled by sleeping with other people. I mean, for the 90s? I don't have to like it. No, and I totally <laughs> also do not like him at all. But it he feels out of place given that the whole rest of the anime is so feminist, capital F, lower S. Yeah. Tatsu is the one that Chio Saito didn't consult on. Yeah, like... <laughs> Like, yeah, it just, it I'm feels wrong. I'm fairly sure that that's where most of the feminist elements come from. Is oh, probably. Her, because I don't think Ikuhara knows shit about feminism. No. You, you, you know what Tatsuya reads like? Tatsuya reads like if you went to Sayanji on like, in like episode four and went, you're Yukio Mishima, write a book about like the or fuck boy that you believe is right and good and proper. <laughs> and Sayanji would write something like Tatsuya's story. I can see that. And that's the problem at every level. <laughs> at every level, that is the problem. Uh, so given that, I probably don't hate Sumika more than Tatsuya. But, oh, she's got... Oh. <laughs> what did you say when we were watching? Her voice the... is annoying. No. Anthe's lack of malice. Yeah, she's Anthe's lack of malice, and I hate it. <laughs> like, she's Anthe minus malice, and notice how she's so fucking late. <laughs> I can kind of see where you can get that from for sure if i find out from here that she's not actually supposed to be a a character at all and she's just a projection of kareha's inner thoughts which are (laughs) extremely bad at creating women that make sense or are internally consistent or have any pathos then i will probably be a little bit more understanding but that won't change the fact that i had to slog through multiple episodes of wanting to wring her neck and finding her just grading to hear and think about <laughs> 4k no low stuff <laughs> it's probably both yeah it's true <sighs> ikuhara should be banned from making nice characters <laughs> we just supposed to do it people just yeah. like walked up and like took a shotgun to my girl jeez <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. i'm over here like oh great i get to watch my favorite episode with like okay and then I just come in, I come in blasting. If it's any, if it's, if it's any consolation, you are talking to like Akio and Toga f- fans. So how much, how much validity you want to give to our takes about characterization? Wait, I mean, like, our, our disapproval may like, be the highest think, form like, of being an Akio or Toga fan makes your, your like fan, makes you any more or less sure valid than the fact that I genuinely don't have a problem with Sumika. But I, even I like, I am a very big stan of most of Yurikuma, and I will fully admit Sumika is basically a character who exists to be two things, mostly very, very sweet and very, very innocent mm-hmm. and very, very a, a plot point. She is more important yeah. for her absence than her presence. She's very much a symbol of a thing. These are all yeah. things that Yasha and Vana do not like in a character. <laughs> yeah, which I am okay with that in the context of Yurikuma because everyone in Yurikuma is kind of like that. But mm-hmm. I, I can totally understand coming into this experience and going like, oh, come on, not not this. Ikuhara, <laughs> you're better than this. 
<laughs> is he? No. No. Clearly not. One of the big things about Yuri Kuma is that supposedly once Ikuhara made Yuri Kuma, he sort of realized that you need to mm-hmm. put more work into the character mm-hmm. development side of things and not just yep. the like trying to say what you want to say with a show side of things yeah the more that i watch yuri kuma the more that i really do like it even though i can recognize Mm -hmm. some of the failings that it may have in like characterization and character Mm -hmm. development like i have Mm -hmm. i have really enjoyed the process of watching this show and i unless like something comes really out of left field which alice and cass don't say anything but (laughs) unless something comes out of really left field i feel like i'm gonna really enjoy the rest of this show mm-hmm. from just the so far yeah the trajectory Man, are, that I've seen. are you not ready for the the black rose bear arc i mean i know that from what alice uh, and i have seen there's only like three episodes yeah left, so we only have so much to wrap up but from it's a, here it's a, it's a lot it's a lot of those three episodes but from here, yeah. we have quite a few episodes ahead of us. And I've really been mm-hmm. enjoying the Yuri Kuma yeah. process. I have to. Like, I don't dislike it. I think, though, that, like, it's very flawed. Utena was very flawed. The thing about Utena that was nice was it was so fucking long and there was so many fucking things flying at mm-hmm. your face mm-hmm. that it was kind of easy to forgive a flaw because there was so much something else here. I think when you're dealing with, like, such a short span of time to tell your story laws stick out a lot more than they would have Mm -hmm. if you'd gotten to stretch this over like 39 episodes of the statue changes every time the shot changes and all that kind of jerk off each yeah yeah like yuri kuma is 12 episodes to try and tell a 24 episode story and it suffers a little bit from Mm -hmm. that on the bright Mm -hmm. side it does like utina it's also show that i think it's better on um your second or third watch through of it because oh yeah yeah like it's very much especially because yuri kuma is very much built around twist you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. there's Surprise. all of these mysteries, and, like, when you know what the characters know and go into an episode, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to go, like, oh, that's why this is happening, and you, you yeah. appreciate it a mm-hmm. little more. Yasha and Vana, how do you feel about your watch-through of this versus the first time that you guys tried to watch Yuri Kuma? Well, we only made it to episode three. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I don't know, like, do you have any, like, how it, have your feelings evolved since the last attempt to watch? Oh, absolutely. I do have to reiterate, because I think I've said this before, that I was willing to watch more Yuri Kuma, <laughs> and I was never quite as hard on it as Vana was. <laughs> but definitely with a little more context and a little more realization that a lot of these things that they're portraying are not actually supposed to be okay. Mm-hmm. That's definitely um, makes for a more comfortable viewing experience mm-hmm. because, you know, watching people get all up in each other's space and touching each other <laughs> all and in hurting each other, each other and, and, stuff. And, and, and like non-consensual kind <laughs> of stuff and like like that kind of thing, but seeing it presented as very cute was mm-hmm. something that I was really not on board with the first time. Ah, uh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I really get that, actually. Yeah, yeah. it just felt, like, very, like, ooh. I didn't know where the, we didn't know, like, the context for it. We weren't prepared for, like, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it just felt very, like, this is very, uh, 
Ikuhara, well, jerk off elsewhere. Please. You know what? I really get that. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Mm. Because there's there's a thing that happens in Penguin Drum that really yeah yeah that's another thing self to seeing this as a fetishization rather than Mm -hmm. an actual like depiction kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I think so, if I had never seen that, then we wouldn't. My tolerance been... for this would have been higher. Okay, yeah. yeah, we have not. We've obviously not covered Penguin Drum. We will, but um, I who's seen it? This might be part of why I I initially had a more positive experience with Yuri Kuma because I have never seen Penguin Drum, and I keep being told I should. Ooh, Cass, maybe maybe we can harangue you into being our just roped in maybe i can rope you into being our co-host for penguin drum cast you can be the alice of the penguin drum co-host. oh my god i can finally no i'm not i'm not depressed enough to be alice <laughs> I, i'm kidding i'm exactly as depressed as alice we just show it in different ways i show it by aggressively like piping up and making jokes all the time and like hiding off in my own anxiety corner and alice shows it by just being very very quiet and then suddenly saying something weirdly profound yeah that's her that's alice yeah, i've noticed you never see it coming alice coming out yeah, of we her never well do. to shame mankind literally well then without without spoilers basically there there is a plot point in penguin drum that revolves around basically a woman raping a girl oh fun yeah it's not very subtle it's and uh, the text never addresses or interrogates it again unfortunately like this isn't episode 33 where it was like built to and then you know deconstructed after for the listeners episode 33 of utana (laughs) yeah i know that that is technically implied but i just want to make sure (laughs) that is fair Yeah. yeah But it, it, but it and that was actually really shocking to see at the time because yeah that was something so great about Utenet. I mean, frankly, without like diverting into a discussion mm-hmm. of episode thirty-three of Utenet, like I feel mm-hmm. like that's probably one of the most incredible and I, I use the word incredible like yeah. sort of wincing, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. one of the most incredible like depictions of a sexual assault in anything mm-hmm. i've ever watched uh mm-hmm. for many reasons so like it's like a best worst thing yeah, yeah. and then so coming from that to mm-hmm. penguin drum was where the worst again, worst thing the, the plot point is not interrogated it's not yeah even, it almost disappears from the show mm-hmm. entirely i don't think it's ever referred yeah to unfortunately i like, have seen this episode of it's penguin kind drum. of depicted yeah very um male gazy yeah it's it's bad anyway it so definitely then coming sour from that to this Yuri was Kuma like was like is this gonna be 13 episodes of that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i, I can that. definitely understand that i am very glad that it has turned out to have a lot more to chew on than that mm-hmm. um i'm definitely enjoying it a lot more now that i'm viewing it less as an ikuhara joint you know and more like in the frame of first of all, it is basically a horror film, and thinking of it in sense of all the references it makes to horror films, which is fun, and just the way that it's trying to capture a lot of that atmosphere. Like I think, like you mentioned, like the twists, how it keeps mm-hmm. having to have like a twist at every episode yeah. ending. Every they all have that horror film feel. Yeah, to I would actually describe it as um, horror film is like a good analogy here. I would have actually gone with a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Yurikuma mm-hmm. is a 12 episode soap opera. All Horror the emotions are high. Opera. 
yeah, all the emotions are heightened. There's kind of a mm-hmm. plasticness and a deliberate unreality to the characters. Mm-hmm. Deliberate unreality is a really good phrase for Yuri Kuma. Yeah. Deliberate unreality is the world Ikuhara lives in. The fact that everything is kind of over the top and overpronounced is, it's it's that way. It's not a, we're trying to like do, we were trying for realism and we failed. It's a, we're deliberately Mm -hmm. trying to say, to do this style. We're getting a mood. We're getting a vibe. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I feel like that's that kind of like, that whole like um, four square of like realistic characters and realistic settings, uh, unrealistic characters and realistic settings, unrealistic settings with realistic characters yeah. and then unrealistic and unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And Yuri Kuma is falling into unrealistic characters and unrealistic circumstances, mm-hmm. which is a little trickier to do, I think. I feel like that Punnett Square is really good for Ikuhara series. In general, yeah. Basically what I'm saying is if you watch Yuri Kuma with about the same frame of mind you watch Twin Peaks with, you're gonna have a good time. <laughs> yeah. I've never watched Twin Peaks, so I don't have time. Watch the original, and if you really, really like it, you can watch the rebooted season, but the rebooted season mm-hmm. was kind of deliberately David Lynch refusing to revive the series mm-hmm. in a way that we're, we're trying to make him revive it. I'm not gonna get into my feelings about Twin Peaks <laughs> in this episode because we will be here for the entire time of the episode. This is an emotional journey between me and Mr. David Lynch, who I <laughs> I will probably consider my mortal enemy. Okay, worse than Ikuhara? It's different, is the thing. Cause, yeah, because you're not recording as many uh, of his podcasts. It is just <laughs> different. Okay. It is a different type of mortal enemy. <laughs> Ikuhara is definitely our mortal enemy. Though. Similar but different. Honestly, but um, yeah. before, we, <laughs> yeah. before we get into discussion about this episode, Cass, could you give us a very quick rundown of this episode? Just like what happens we're talking about the moon girl and the forest girl episode six of yuri kuma oh man this is my favorite episode of the show so watch me forget like three plot points as i honestly i think it might be my favorite episode too i haven't finished yet so i can't really make Mm -hmm. that decision but it might be my favorite episode so Mm -hmm. this episode is basically built around two halves the first half is Kureha explaining to someone else how she actually ended up with Sumika. She's not, no, she's not explaining. She's literally just like flashing back to it. Daydreaming yeah. to herself or something. Uh, we get like the actual beginning of their relationship. It was a chance meeting. It was very like, very like romance movie meet cute. Yeah. And we find out that her mother... Uh, drew a picture book that is missing the last couple of pages because she was killed before she could complete it. And it's this Mm -hmm. little fairy tale about a girl who lives in the forest, who is very obviously a bear, and a girl who lives on the moon, who want to be together. They pray to the gods to be united. The gods... Yeah, Lady Kumaria goes like, you're literally not allowed. They go, we still want to. And she goes, fine. If you want to be together... You have to break this mirror. If you do, your friend will be standing on the other side, and she will give you a promised kiss, and then you will be able you to have be to together. Break down yourself. Yeah, but you have to destroy yourself in the mirror. 
the only note I made for this episode, because I'm shit, was that this flashback had like gigantic Little Prince energy. It really oh, was, oh, yeah. I totally feel that. I, I uh-huh. didn't even make that connection the first time we talked about this. I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, it really does, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's just got that whole visual, like, like especially with the planets having those little like crater thingies on them and oh, stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. Very... That's that's very limiting mm-hmm. calls. Uh, there's also some Tokini Iowa energy yeah. to the whole mirror thing. I don't remember anything about I that. I pointed it out to you except while we were watching. That, I know, but I don't remember anything about it except lesbian water dance. <laughs> Wait, what What did you say it reminded you of? Tokini Iowa. I've never heard of this. I don't. It's yes, the movie's dance. It's the movie dance. It's the gay movie dance in the Utena movie. It's oh, called Tokini Iowa. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently she has some memory of You said the movie dance. So that, that could have meant anything. Really? Okay. No, really? but also yes. <laughs> fair. Um, Very fair. I think it was the just pure shock of hearing me were... talking about the Utina movie in some way. You see, there, there we go. There were a couple of scenes in this, though. Yeah. There were a couple of scenes in this that directly called back to the Definitely. Utena movie. Yeah. Definitely. Which, I mean, you know, fair. If you're going to self-reference yourself, that's in visual language. I guess that's the jerk off to go for because the movie was beautiful. That's a lot better than self-referencing someone else. In a previous episode of this, we talked with friend of the show, Chelly, about various Mm -hmm. ways that Usna is referenced in things. And that includes Ikuhara referencing himself. Which, fine. Very well. (sighs) Well, if you if you make Revolutionary Girl Utna and you're the director of it, I think you're allowed to reference Revolutionary it's, Girl. Yeah, Utna. yeah. No. <laughs> no. Wait, I I forgive him his sins on this one. But um, I'm just yeah. happy. It's anyway, here. so the flash, so that little like story sequence that is like big, the Little Prince energy. Yep. But they have to smash through this mirror. I was like kind of confused at first because like there's like okay, so they see each other and they want to meet. But then they approach each other and it's a mirror. Yes. Not the mirror is a metaphor. So that's where the copy that Koreha has ends. Yeah. We cut to her kind of going through her school day. She's sort of integrating into her class. People are being nice to her in a way they weren't before. Everyone's kind of, you know, being like, oh, yeah, Kareha, we're helping you rebuild the lily bed. And mm. We're not going to stab you in the back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> totally not. Mm. They they immediately and inevitably stab her in the back. Stab her in the back. Like, literally on her birthday, set the lily, go to set the lily field on fire just to spite her. And just the most mean girls nonsense imaginable. While they're doing that... Outruns Ginkgo, who has been warned of this by ya boys on the wall. She jumps in, saves Sumika's last letter to Kureha from the fire. All the mean girls scatter, and the letter that Sumika had was going to be a breakup letter. She was basically pressured into writing by the other girls in the class under threat of, like, if you don't do this, we're going to keep being shitty to Kureha. So the last (laughs) line in it fortuitously is the girl standing in front of you is your new friend almost as if sumika is from beyond the grave telling kureha like this is the person i'm entrusting you to mm-hmm. okay so i'm sure that that was like her being nice but that is almost the closest 
she's gotten to actually Anthony. Mm. <laughs> You're like, you, you do the thing or else. Okay, I do the thing. Smiles, glasses flash, does the thing. You know, long span of time passes, wins in the end. Slow burn own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing she's not coming at it from that point of view. Though, I, so. I, I mean, like, well... <laughs> I am not going to say anything about Simika's character arc because it would constitute so many spoilers, but... I know. Yeah. I uh, know. I will say this. Uh, she's not Anthe. We'll put it that way. No, she is not. That is just who I wish she were. <laughs> you had one you Anthe. You're so greedy. I am very greedy. I just had this awful thought. <laughs> Mom, can we have Anthe? We have Anthe at home. <laughs> 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 orders the coffee i feel like that's gonna be on that triangle too okay but let's be real if anthony was in this show she would eat all of these girls for breakfast yes. uh, literally yes yeah, yes yeah. yes because she's probably the only one that would show up in this being like i know what i'm into and have organized my sexuality out already <laughs> i'm here <laughs> you all are children i'm an adult yeah well you know she, that didn't really stop her either so anyway but yeah <laughs> anyway yeah i i it we actually kind of had to like read the plot summary to understand what had happened <laughs> well i mean part of that is just because it's been so long it had been a while watched. so we ended up like watching the episode before it as well yeah um the the whole like the whole thing about people like it was kind of funny because for a show that uses so much horror imagery and is so just steeped in like the visual landscape of horror the we're becoming friends and oohs and total jerk off that you know the whole time is a jerk off anyway felt very like the furthest deviation from that tone that the show has gotten mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it didn't come across as a horror depiction of it with like yeah constant but cues of impending dread yeah that's that's, that's what the, should have warned you yeah you couldn't see the horror anymore so which you should yeah. you should brace <laughs> it's true also um that one chick seems to be hanging out in toga's room yeah <laughs> with the woman we don't know the identity of that i'm trying oh, to presume is the teacher the, i think teacher. we know the identity <laughs> That's the I, teacher. I think Ikuhara has one mode, and it's I wish I had fucked my teachers and mood, but you don't have to keep animating it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning all kinds of things today, and that was not one of the things I expected to hear sitting down. <laughs> like if they but what if they didn't get the first three times? Just and you, you, you need to what if we, well i mean he is on another he is working on another project so I, i'm beginning to see why we needed a spadaro cut of these episodes because like <laughs> the version of this episode where i was the, the only co-host like this is not where i went at all talking about I'm, sorry. I'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> this is like a good to be clear this is a good thing <laughs> I'm I'm glad we were we in in the known to bring the curse in the initial version of this episode that we recorded. It was me and Cass being like, "Ooh, woo, we love the women's," and <laughs> so now that we have you guys on, you can be our uh, our misogynists. 
<laughs> yes. Okay, uh, for the listeners, that is because I like to jokingly refer to our beautiful co-host Yasha and Vana as my local misogynist sapphics. So it's it's true. We are it's okay. The, We're horrible people. We, we know. We it. truly you're are. the women honestly. haters. For for what it's worth, we also well, hate men. Yeah. Like you're the everyone <laughs> haters, really. <laughs> not, not fond of them either. This is the haters corner. This is just the haters corner. We just don't like anything. <laughs> Do you like Suspiria? <laughs> I loved Spirit. Okay, good. Then we were well, then we're still friends. It's perfect. There you go. I mean, like we we I literally had to watch Suspiria on your recommendation to catch what the imagery in the show was doing. Yes. And I went from I Yurikum is pretty good, but I don't understand some of the visual language in it too. To oh no. I like I like Yurikuma more now because I think it actually incorporated <laughs> this really well. It did. I think it really did. Um I think sometimes it gets a little carried away with the reference. I can see that. More more of the problem I have with Ikuhara that is I know that, yeah, away. I know. <laughs> Goodness me. Look, this is someone who has, at this point, more than once established extremely lush, pretty much independent visual landscapes mm-hmm. of his own. So it was kind of like, but you you, you could just do... But I, I'm guessing it was never his own, and it was Shuji Teriyama's. He blew that load in Utna, and now he's been on his own since. So it's I guess true. the next ones are going to be... Uh, question mark where is the lie mm-hmm. <laughs> what's what you know esteemed media treasure genre is he going to just suck all the marrow out of and then spit back into our faces i mean based on sarah's on my he's already done like the weirdest common writer parody i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> literally i'm the only person in sarah's and my ikuhara referenced osamatsu's terminator on. That's all yeah, I needed. Uh, e. Did he really? E. Yeah, there, e. there's, well, yes, there is a reference to E.T., but also there is a reference to Osamatsu-san, and mm-hmm. it drives me fucking bananas. It, it's okay, almost as if Sarah's on my... Terminator, Yeah, he yeah. references. Yes. He references E.T., he references The Godfather. Yes. He well, The Godfather 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for extra pretentious mm-hmm. check-ass points. What I think Ikuhara might like movies. <laughs> I think so. No. Oh my god, Ikuhara is the Kojima of Oh of my anime. god, you're right. He's a movie guy. He's just a, he's just Kojima being a movie guy. Oh Christ. Oh no, it's the same thing though. It's the exact same thing. He literally even has a collaborator who after van- who vanished after about like the what everyone agrees is like the peak point of his work and then everything oh, after that is more divisive. Wait, do we do we mean Kojima. Hideo Kojima? Hideo yeah. Kojima, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn! When's he gonna hook up with Mads, then? Huh. It's well, He said he's working friend. on something new! I oh, will watch wow. the fuck out of whatever villain he's going to make Mads out of. Oh my god. Metal Gear Usuda is real! They said it could hurt me, but it's real! Okay. <laughs> Wait, oh god, no, no, it gets better. This means he definitely is gonna collab with Guillermo del Toro. Oh God! Oh no! I don't know. I would literally give one of my kidneys for Ikuhara <laughs> to collaborate with Del Toro. Look, if Ikuhara oh. like uh, goes, I'm setting my new anime in the Spanish Civil War. I think we all know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy! Absolutely. But anyway, I, I would this episode. I would watch it. But this but with episode. this episode. Hmm. Well, there was. Uh, I gotta. I'm. Um, 
kind of confusing with the episode before it at moments. But, I um, really like, I mean, I love when Yuri Kuma goes into like its storybook sort of stuff. And this mm-hmm. absolutely had like a big section of it where it was doing the the storybook like forest girl and moon mm-hmm. girl and i just i totally love when like ikuhara is all up in his fairy tale bullshit because like that's just yeah he just lets himself have it yeah it just like pushes like pushes those specific buttons in my brain that is 100 percent fair hmm well there's like the the so my impression of the whole moon girl and forest girl story is that was probably Kureha's mom and uh, the yeah. teacher. Yeah, that's who, what I'm getting from that. You Pretty would awesome. not be totally off base in saying this. It's just the impression I'm getting. You're seventy percent I mean, of the way to a real plot point. Yes, we've. We've been we've been screaming this whole time that bears are bad. Bears are the fucking worst. Get away from I bears. I still remember how the to tell the bears The teacher is definitely apart. a fucking bear at this I, point. I still remember how to tell the bears apart. I know I confirmed this with Alice. What? I know which ones are bears. You guys probably don't remember the teacher's name, right? I remember it. Well, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's I remember Eureka. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's Every no, remember I, it was like the bear. first or second episode I concerned I confirmed that with Alice. Nice. <laughs> that that I did actually know which ones were the bears. See, see y'all are doing all of this, you know, legwork and putting together I'm just like I Akio. And then again in fucking Penguin Drum, if there is a teacher, that teacher is an Akio analogy. Were you oh, he clapping your hands no. together? No, she was tapping her vape. Oh, okay. I, no, oh that was sorry. I thought um, you were making lewd hand gestures. Yeah. <laughs> Although, that would have been in character. It would have been. That, yeah, the problem, yeah, the only you know variation uh Ikuhara and authority figures has is which finger gestures you're making to signify sex. <laughs> You know, is it two fists banging together? Is it a finger and a fist banging together? Is it two fingers crashing together? Is it, who who fucking knows? It doesn't matter if there is a teacher and there are underage characters, the teacher is a molester. And in this case, that means bear. You know, I was about, you said authority figure. I was about to say, but Kepi doesn't do, and then I realized. Kepi has no authority. I was about to say, yeah, Kepi's <laughs> the least authoritative uh, character I've ever seen. Kepi yes. is what Choo Choo imagines he is inside his own head. I mean, also, <laughs> the whole Shira Kadama thing. Like, yeah. I mean, just because it's not necessarily sexual doesn't mean it's not. You say it's not necessarily sexual, but they transform through the power of a war sequence. And frankly, I mean, I'm too much a child of art to not have some serious questions about what Ikuhara and his team were thinking. The word they... necessarily is doing a lot of legwork there. <laughs> it, it was many episodes he spent trying to make sure we all understood it's okay to eat ass. God bless. I didn't know. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I hope I, I hope that mic picked up the like slow slow clap. 
Because yeah. that was a very slow clap with reservations. Well, I mean, if this is if this is just an entire series that says it's okay to eat pussy, then you know, natural uh, progression, I guess. He's it's it's sex ed by way of anime. He he is not afraid. <laughs> you know, you know. That song so much. Maybe there's a good reason I put that back. I really wanted you to keep going over that over that and the music just playing and you continue your point <laughs> like Ben Shapiro tried to talk over Imagine. <laughs> you know. I can't do Ben. I can't, I can't do Ben. My wife to ben I can't do Ben Shapiro. The blues are calling. Toss salad. Quite stylish. Okay, but maybe I seem a Sorry, bit that's the last one. Yeah, maybe. But I got you. Thank you all for coming to Imagine Me and Yuri Puma. Now join us as we put it entirely into phrase. Okay, uh, Kid Me thought both of the brothers were hot. <laughs> I liked that show. I love Frasier. I've been watching a lot of Frasier lately, and it, does, it, does it hold up? Yeah, I mean, actually, like. There's, like, one episode with, like, a kind of a transphobic subplot, but for the most part, like, Frasier has really held up, <laughs> and I've nice. really been enjoying it. Having having seen that episode, it's actually the least transphobic, transphobic subplot in a 90s show that exists. Yeah. I mean, aside, from, yeah. aside from Twin Peaks. I'm gonna just... I'm gonna just sit here for a minute. Yeah, that was very fertile ground at the time. Happy Venn diagram of circles that don't meet is that topic and me hating on Sumika. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, we're okay. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, let's actually get to the hating on Sumika. Come on, I, I want to hear the roast. I am here for this it, barbecue. I, I have definitely already roasted her extensively on this podcast, I suspect. But my main uh, actual problem with her, aside from that she is just so nice saccharin and has a really annoying voice to me like i she she just has the voice of somebody who has never actually said a statement without a mental question mark at the end of it in her life like that kind of just yeah flying very very uh nadesico very i'm the perfect little what you're talking about she has a complete lack of agency yeah, she has no agency. She has this perfect little, and that's, I guess, why I keep mentioning Anthe's because Anthe had this like role she had, you know, would put on of a woman without agency or a girl without agency, and that's why you know, science and everyone like swarmed on her and all of that kind of thing. But it turned out not to be true. Um, this is that performance so far without anything to suggest it's not exactly what she is. I don't know whether they're gonna go like with it it isn't exactly what she is or it's exactly what she is and that was not a good thing and that was not a good thing or yeah like something like that but she just has all of that fuck you energy with nothing to make her interesting and i get that she is a plot point but as a plot point and as a character representing a plot point she's there a lot and i feel like she kind of wears out her soft voiced uncommittal i want to like i can it's kind of like you look I, i look at her and I'm like if i backhanded her what would she do cry probably just cry and then my wife would stop me from doing it again and some yeah. bitch would come try to duel me or something I don't know. <laughs> I, this I makes mean, me sound it, like it, a total abuser it, it's your wow. human no I'm one sorry. wants to duel you Kureha just shoots you that's the kind of show we're true. in now it's true this is this is the American uh, tick cut <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh that has not aged well <laughs> what? wait what 
casual nonstop uh, gunshots in school? No. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. fuck. I'm no, I'm seriously kind of wondering if that is part of why this didn't stick too well in English fandoms. Honestly, I I, I think it's not even that complicated. I think Yuri Kuma just didn't catch on because it's very, very, very deliberately obtuse in its storytelling choices mm-hmm. in the same way that Utna could be. But like mm-hmm. you said earlier, Utna had a lot more time to build a story and characters. Mm-hmm. And so th- this was like Utna on speedrun. And it's also just, yeah. as much as we're talking about and comparing it to Utna, Yuri Kuma is not the same show. If you came yeah. into it and your only familiarity with, you know, the big selling point of it that people were told was like, oh, this is like Ikuhara's, you know, new work, and he's the guy who did mm-hmm. Utna. So yeah. yeah, if you come in here and you're like a big Utna fan, you're not going to do yeah, it. I think like if you had it come out now, Yuri Kuma is a show that I think would probably be more popular among the crowd of p- people who were big fans of uh, Madoka Magica. Yeah. Or yeah. I guess uh, I like especially recently review Starlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like weird Moe shows that touch on feminist topics sometimes, but are not necessarily themselves feminist with a capital F texts written yeah. by mostly male authors that kind of go for that same sense of there is a surreal and slightly discomforting underbelly to this whole, you know, mm-hmm. experience. We're, we're taking the saccharin sort of like deliberately mass marketed feeling of Moe and we're pushing it up against mm-hmm. horror and trying to see what comes out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like with this one too, all of the baggage from just, from what I understand, this being very referential to a lot of like Yuri content up to this point. I don't know how it developed after, but but I know that a lot of the tropes and stuff get, like I like as far as I understand it, Sumika is literally a trope in... She is, a lot of people have argued that she's basically class S uh, personified. Yeah, like... That kind of thing. Relationship mm-hmm. between an older and younger student. It goes mm-hmm. on for a while. It always ends tragically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Like, Alice and I have had conversations, like, not related to the podcast about how we feel about Class S. But, like, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a fraught topic, even among the kind of people mm-hmm. who are big into Yuri circles. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's a big movement of people going, like, we should just, like, ignore all of those old series and get rid of all of their conventions because they were kind of the product of mm-hmm. shitty patriarchal Censorship. bullshit. And mm-hmm. there's another crowd going, like, well, okay, no, that's maybe true, but we don't get rid of, like, the romance genre because they're trashy and sometimes patriarchal. No, we get rid mm-hmm. of those because they all suck. Because they're all written by, like, a... a... <laughs> We think that they're writers, but that's actually an algorithm. Okay. <laughs> Alice and I are obviously an example of how a house can end up divided on some of these topics. As far as I understand, romance as a genre has progressed quite a bit. It has. I am not as big into the non-queer romance world, but my yeah. understanding is there's been a lot of progression in some areas, and there's a massive fight for progression in others. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not somebody who reads romance, but I was kind of watching the drama go down when who was it that one girl got let go or whatever from the romance writers of America 
something like that. It's a big organization. Yeah, Women's Rights of America. Wow, there's a fucking union. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and she was like on the diversity committee or something like that. And she got let go and she was a woman of color and, and this, mm-hmm. that, and the other thing. And it was taken over by white dudes. And then there was a big backlash. And so I was kind of like watching from the sidelines when all that went down. And I hear that things have started to smooth out a little more in that world as mm-hmm. far as progress goes. So it seems like Yuri is either coming to or slowly going through the same kind Mm -hmm. of discussions, though, where, you know, inclusiveness Mm -hmm. is being considered a little more and Mm -hmm. looking at the the old conventions and trying to figure out whether they're worth keeping or not. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I guess, the question, if it's a trope. Mm-hmm. Is it a trope that you have to get rid of right away? Or can you keep enjoying the trope? Can you subvert the trope? Can you do new things? Or at the end of the day, do you just find the, that trope really hot? Yeah. And it, sorry, it's just hot. Yeah. We're keeping it. Which is, the, mm-hmm. of course, the worst conclusion. I I tend to believe that as far as like Sumika's presence in Yurikuma goes, uh, if it's being directly referential to that, then I'd say that the take of the storytellers in Yurikuma is trope insufficient yeah not enough for full story good as plot hook yeah that's that's kind of the feeling i get from it because she's such a like a vessel kind of character plot wise and romance wise and it's the kind of thing where at this point i've seen a lot of kuriha's and sumika's relationship develop and i'm still not entirely sure what they see in each other aside from that they'll talk to each other and that they like wiggled around naked under the covers honestly we haven't seen any (laughs) internal like any internality from sumika other than i love kuriha and i'm going to do whatever it takes to keep her safe and that seems to be the only feature in her mental landscape so far. I will say, though, that she had the mental fortitude to preemptively consider how she would own somebody who is threatening her. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's that that implies good things. Yeah. That's the first I've seen of it. <laughs> I yeah, I tend to think of this as kind of being like Koreha and Sumika are not really a thing where like, I think you and this is very much like me kind of bringing my personal take on the series more so than I'm mm-hmm. sure anything that Ikuhara deliberately intended. Mm-hmm. But when I watch Yurikuma, the impression I get with the way Sumika and Koreha connect, especially in the flashbacks in this episode, is very much, this is the only two queer kids at a school where they were both certain there was no one else like them, and it's kind of a catching feelings situation. Because, like, if you look at the That's the fair. way, like, the whole thing builds up, this is the exact kind of situation I can imagine catching feelings for someone in. It's the kind of thing where, you know, when I was younger, especially, that's how I kind of imagined, like, wouldn't it be nice, to, you know, it's it's a romantic daydream kind of playing out for both of them. And I tend to be a little sympathetic to that as a plot point, because it's like, if you had... Yes, it is kind of unrealistic to mm-hmm. the experience most people have in high school. Most of us don't meet that person. Or if we do, mm-hmm. the relationship is a lot more awkward than this kind of saccharine, mm-hmm. lily white, haha version of it. Lily but it, it, it's white. how you imagine <laughs> it would be. And I. No, a- acknowledge lily white. I, I did. I am Picard <laughs> face palming at the moment. Okay. Thank you. That's what I needed. Continue. <laughs> 
I, and I think like that's that's where I kind of am with this is it's very much like this is presenting that kind of romance as you imagine it will be when you're younger mm-hmm. or you know that you imagined it it would be and not as it actually would have been slash mm-hmm. is it's almost like the the romance like there's a sense of like the romance building around like the place and time or that moment or yeah and like there's a lot of young adult fiction like that because you know yeah when you're trying to think about being in love and you're like in your teens that's ooh, it's the place it's the time it's the moment <sighs> instead of like now where it's like oh no this was 20 years of just nail biting miserable yeah. psychoanalysis from one person to the other and trauma yeah that's not as romantic <laughs> Yeah. And that is that is kind of like I think how how we're meant to to come at it. Mm-hmm. That and it's kind of like running up against that whole like Japanese like aesthetic of beauty where the the whole idea is like things are beautiful because they won't last. Yeah, the brevity is the point. Yeah, yeah, and so I think that's kind of what they're leaning into with this is like this is this shocking for Kureha like this one pure beautiful moment and it doesn't get to last and that's sort of the tragedy of it mm-hmm. not maybe the most heart-wrenching realistic depiction like even going with the whole this is like a very vibes dreamy based storytelling thing i'm sure there's a lot mm-hmm. else in the world of yuri you could look to that handles that more or le- with more or less fealty to the real and awkward world of adolescent romance yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of like yuri and yuri adjacent manga that like also uh especially recently that go way harder in depth on like the kind of struggles that Mm -hmm. uh queer teens face but i I like this sometimes you just want the uh same reason like you know i still like cinderella you know sometimes you just really want that kind of beautiful dreamscape version of the story lana very true let me explain it to you like this yuri kuma is the good version of the movie of picnic at hanging rock wait what movie i don't know what that means oh boy oh no (laughs) none of us know this oh no i'm gonna go uh write war and peace while eleanor talks no i'm not gonna go on about it picnic at hanging rock was a 1976 movie that was based on a novel that had been presented as if it were a real thing happening wait oh no i know about this is this the one i'm like 100 percent sure you've probably at least heard a little bit about it is this the one where it's following a series of disappearances of young girls yes. who climb a particular yes. rock yes. point and they just yes. disappear yes. for a while and then one of them yes. shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely admit, yeah. Yuri Kuma is, is picnic at hanging rock only rock. good. It's bears instead of a rock. Oh um, my god. Oh, I didn't even make I haven't read that yet. I've heard about it because I was doing research on an unrelated topic. The author of that came up as someone who was like into a very specific um, kind of like literary movement that that's part of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know as much about the novel. Basically, Picnic at Hanging Rock has the 1976 movie, which purists are going to be like, this is the one true version. Mm-hmm. And then it has the incredibly, incredibly better 2018 tv series and the thing about these two is that one of them the movie is headed by a dude 
And it shows. And it very, very much shows because it treats the girls as if it's almost like a nature documentary. You're always on the outside of them looking in. Mystical female flutters across the landscape. Yeah. They don't really have any internality. And the movie doesn't pretend to understand what's going on inside them. You cannot understand. Mm -hmm. And in the 2018 television series, it is written and directed by women. And there is a lot of internality to the girls and they do understand them and they do kind of get into get into their headspace a little more. Yurikuma is reminding me of a better version of the movie of Picnic at Hanging Rock because uh, there's like a filter it is, it's trying to look through. Yeah, it's got that same kind of like that idea that girls of that age are are something pure and graceful Mm -hmm. and unknowable on the surface Mm -hmm. but this one actually interrogates a little bit past that and sees some of the horrible things that go on where picnic and hanging rock really didn't and it's kind of a movie without a center which is one of the reasons people fall in love with it actually is because there are no answers you don't ever find out anything it's yeah your human does have that same energy though it definitely does it's like it's like that energy of, you know, you trying to look across the this the inexplicable complexity of young adolescent growth processes for girls or whatever. And like you're looking through glass, but you're pressing, if you press too hard, it'll break. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly worried about that. And that's that mm-hmm. like, but if I look too hard and start to understand them, this illusion will be shattered and it will be over. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I feel like these are, there's like a continuum of, you know, schoolgirl like, like schoolgirl experience narratives that have some sort of queer coding to some extent, mm-hmm. and like there's like Yuri Kuma and like things like Picnic at Hanging Rock and Prime of Miss Jean Brody mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. Yeah, and the continuum seems to be how much insight they actually want to put into the girls into the, versus yeah. how much you want to lean into how. Deep and unknowable and chaotic it is. Yeah, and Picnic at Hanging Rock, the movie was way on the end Mm -hmm. of them being unknowable Unknowable. and not understandable, and that's part of the magic and and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Where Yuri Kuma, I think, and honestly, that really pissed me off about the movie because it's it's just like. On the one hand, kudos to the guy for understanding that he didn't understand and, and not making the attempt, but also kind of fuck you for not <laughs> understanding. Yeah, like you kind of thing. Yuri Kuma is doing that, but going. I feel like sometimes men kind of coast on this idea that, like, oh, women are too complex and too unknowable. Yeah. Honestly, and also, like, I'm not going to get into it, but like a lot of white people will do this with like people of color like trying to say that they are like too different and too unknowable from their own personal experience and i feel like that's just Mm -hmm. like yeah i feel like that's but anyway back to the topic hand that's the uh slightly morally better in your own head version of noble savage Mm. (laughs) and i am counting that to pocs and young girls yeah. By the way. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Like, Yurikuma has a lot of energy where it's like, ooh, it's so cute. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. But the whole time you're like, okay, but if this got a little bit less, ooh, ooh we'd have to account yeah. for what we're actually saying. We'd have to account for that there is almost definitely a fucking adult having sex with that girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. So, Just tell me. 
I know I'm right. Look, we all know who it is. We will reckon with that when we get to the episode. I am okay. going to just outright say that we may end up differing on this, but where they go with that particular character, not the girl, sadly, uh, she's not the important she's one. She's about yet. to die, I yeah. Uh, but with our Akio XP, we'll say. <laughs> Akio recolor. Uh, <laughs> Akio Redux. Oh, no. Just new skin thrown on that shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're joking about that. Meanwhile, there is an actual dude in this story that has an actual ponytail mullet and actual earrings. He is. Akio. And also gets one of the most detailed uh, animated shots in that sequence. Fair. What, is Akio not allowed to, like, go on vacation now? Jesus. <laughs> Oh my god. Akio <laughs> hangs out at the at the Yuri Kuma barrier. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's next door to Otori. Like they're the same like he decided to book himself a bear B and B. Is this like Oh no. no. Wow. Atori that, Academy sex tourism to wherever this is. <laughs> wow. I, I I'm just sitting here and my first thought is, oh, this makes sense now. All of Ikuhara shows take place in, like, the HP Lovecraft dreamlands of unknown Kadoth dreamlands. Oh, no! It's it's, it's the Ikuhara-verse. I, I have Ikuhara already- Ikuhara Cinematic all, Universe! Yeah, I've got this all mapped up. Because Tori Academy is in Yokohama, uh, Sarah's Anime takes place- Yes, yeah, it's just away. like how all of the When They Cry series are connected. Oh, God, no! Cass, we oh, have to God. talk about this later! Oh no, oh no. At what point does Burn Castell take over Sumika's body? We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> tune tune in for our, our future podcast where Panda and I uh do Imagine Me and uh Ryukishi Seven. <laughs> Imagine me in seventh expansion. <laughs> okay, but I like I literally had to reread this to remember this because mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We've been doing a lot of dumping on Sumika and not giving the absolute queen credit for doing the ultimate dunking on Sumika. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Yeah? You wanna? Yeah! Uh, So, like, before you get up, like, because we actually had to go back to check this because we hadn't watched to see if there was anything after the episode. But, you know, up to this point, like, Ginkgo has been hurt, like, to the death multiple times and it wasn't some toga bullshit. Or it was, who knows? Yes, it was. Maybe it was. But but Ginkgo is all, ooh, save save this letter, da, 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 da. and then you find out she watched Sumika get ganked. Improved opinion of, of her a lot. <laughs> I Ginkgo is far and away my favorite character now. Cause she no, she has been extremely consistent. I love Ginkgo. I do think she's my favorite. She wants Kareha and woe unto you if you're in the way. Did she even know at that point that Sumiko had any connection to Korea? We will yes. find Did out. Did she have any? I'm going to guess yes. There, Obviously, there's going to be more to that scene in the future. But yeah, like, yeah. You will, there is an actual thing going on with Ginko. And yes, Ginko's character arc is basically about, okay, you want, you want Koreha. How much slash how good is that wanting? Mm-hmm. Is is it? Are we going for like the lust versus love dichotomy, or is this something else? No, it's more of um. It questions how good it is for her to be quite so single minded as she is. Oh, yeah. But was that really such a good idea? Yeah, yeah. like it's. Is it's the a what I would describe it as is like I think actually the lust versus love thing is kind of present in there, like. 
I don't think you can we read this and not get that vibe. Rather, a lot of scenes of Ginkgo fantasizing about. But, uh, but the real... other, yeah, the flip side of that coin is like Ginkgo's fantasizing about Kureha is actually like, in a lot of ways, it's just dumb and wholesome. Like yeah, it's, it's very much. Innocent. You can be dumb and wholesome and also replenish the draining bathtub with how excited you are. Yeah, like, well, yeah, but like that's kind of the, uh, <laughs> the 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 idea there is like it's not really that oh, you lust for her, this is a problem. It's, mm-hmm. like, as with a lot of things with Ikuhara and how, like, these romances tend to shake out, it's, like, exactly how possessive are you being and how much are you projecting mm-hmm. onto the other person? Yeah. Is it really her you want or are you enjoying the chase or do you like what she represents but not necessarily who she is? Yeah. Like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, that's that's kind of Ginko's arc and... I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a sucker for that kind of arc with romantic leads. So I'm enjoying that. Yeah, I'm I'm very here for Ginko. Yeah, their appreciation. I kind of want to find out if if Ginko's whole arc. I, I want her arc to be actually the thing that I love most is me just being a horny disaster. I mean, I don't that, actually want Lulu. the object of my desire. I just want to be a disaster. That, that's Lulu. You want I feel Lulu. like that would really be some like lesbian progress. You know what? That is true. I said. I guess it is. Mm-hmm. If that's, I get the feeling Lulu's gonna be my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that the art for this originally, I was drawn as Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, and I was just like, I, I'm wait, gonna have to comment about this it later. Is literally, only because I wanted to have the crown, Alice. That's o- the only reason. <laughs> Okay, if if that is what Ginko's arc is, this is perfect. If I had known, mm-hmm. I probably perfect. would have made you Ginko and had me Lulu because I feel like I am much more emotionally. I feel like I'm much more Lulu, but like I really wanted but you wanted the crown. I wanted to have the crown, so and I made that, myself in, in a way. That's the most Lulu thing you could say, though. Yeah, that's fair. You you externalized your desire for something and then went after it without regard for the cost. Just mm. just for the record, like. My my only real regret is I was not part of the Panda Cinematic Universe at that point. Sorry, like, we're not on video <laughs> yet. The Panda Audio Universe. And <laughs> we could not the get, like, experience. art of the three of us doing the pose from the, the muffler art in the uh, the ending with mm-hmm. Alice as Kareha and me as Lulu. I think that would have been perfect. That would have been actually really good. I, I feel like that summarizes our dynamic on this show very well, except for the fact that I'm with Alice. I, yeah, I know. Like, that's literally the only thing. If I wish that I had had the foresight to, to, to make think Alice of that. Right yeah, because that would have been uh, extremely good. Well, I mean, <laughs> there are multiple reasons that would have been an improvement, including the fact that that means Alice would have had a rifle in the cover art, which I know would have made her happy. And honestly, that just really fits Alice. <laughs> Yeah, it does. I'll end bears. I'll destroy you. I mean, I'll ruin bears. Says the subtitles, and me going like, "Oh dear." I will uh, cut this out if Alice wants me to. But only one of us here has been uh, detained for having a gun at an airport. So, <sighs> it was an accident. I know. <laughs> Hashtag just Mississippi things. They never gave it back either. No. Okay, we have to finish this episode. So, so Ginko. <laughs> Ginko is willing to let people die for things she wants. Yeah. 
Respect. Mad respect. Respect. I like Ginkgo. They've kind of already kind of danced around that Ginkgo is um, a criminal willing bear. to dance on slightly immoral ground. Yeah, she's a criminal bear. She's a criminal bear. And I'm like, great. That's awesome. She She's also, isn't she? She's royalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So actually, she's not criminal bear. Everybody else is the criminals. That depends on hey. how you view royalty. Um, I'm going to guess if Queen Elizabeth II shot somebody in the face tomorrow, she'd get away with it. I, I was making a, like, oh, mild, yeah. like, communism joke there. But yes, actually, she would. Also communism. She would. Uh, she would get away with it, and her corkies would get to eat the body in public. Honestly, I'm just flashing back to somebody saying the royal family is complaining about Meghan Markle maybe you know and the color of her kid's skin when they look like somebody slapped the shit out of the oblivion character generator <laughs> I'm like yeah yeah god damn it but anyway um yeah. I'm gonna say I really liked that callback to Toga and Shiori yeah yeah that was really nice I saw that scene, and the first thing I said was, "Oh shit, they found Toga's bedroom." <laughs> yeah, we we both all 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 immersion just came to a screeching halt because they were like, "Hey, that bedroom looks the very familiar. be uh like canopied." Yeah, but that's the dream. Was very mm-hmm. much that's the star bedroom, like very that. similar to the bedding in the Utena movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and I liked that. We though. all know that was good. who that was, but we're not gonna get there yet. We will. Yeah. Well, it just it just had big vibes of Toga talking to Akio on the phone in that mm-hmm. bedroom, and like him and Shiori talking in that bedroom. Yeah. I'm getting his, getting her nails did. Yeah. Which isn't in this show so far. Which uh, Auru yeah. has like a butchier version of the shiori haircut so kind of yeah mm-hmm. yeah also what are the leg garters <laughs> yeah like I'm they not... look like stocking tops yeah kinda. i think they look kind of like the things that forrest gump runs himself out of <laughs> too <laughs> okay that's great sure so, that's what they are we could be a reference who knows Kaoru Gump. No, her whole thing, like, Kaoru's whole thing that makes her just, like, oh, okay, a bad person is that her shirt is all disheveled. Oh, yeah. And, like, like okay, Ikuhara, we, we know. Shirt open bad. Shirt open duplicitous. Partway state of undress. Bad sign. We know. Let me make sure that I got this right, though. Because, so the sequence of events is Kureha was picked as the the evil one for the invisible storm. Yes. Yep. And then Sumia is like, she can't be, so I'm going to protect her and offers herself up-ish in her place. Yeah, Sumika? she. the yeah, vote Sumika. was not yeah. unanimous because Sumika votes for herself. Which in yeah. and of itself is sort of like, okay, so if it's all been predetermined and it requires a unanimous vote, what is the purpose of this extremely insightful vote? Don't go cancel culture. The point of the the point of the vote is it's not so much that they're determined. They're not supposed to be determining. It's supposed to be public confirmation. You're pledging Uh, your allegiance because you notice, like, you can see who voted for what. It's not a silent vote. Yeah. Yeah. So So, it's it's a way of socially pressuring the whole group into going along because if you dissent, 
people will see you openly dissenting. Yeah. Which then so makes even you, if you're a lesbian, you so have then, to say that you're not. Otherwise, yes. Yeah, it's it's a really actually a really cruel method of social control in that regard. Sumika so goes against it in order to save Kureha mm -hmm. and basically offers herself up as a sacrifice in Kureha's place. But since Sumika died, they just keep on going with the plan that they had originally. Mm -hmm. the, the plan that they had originally was that they didn't care if she died. They were going to do the thing with the lily field no matter what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, they were never intending to make good on that deal with Sumika. It was basically, they saw her, they saw Sumika being vulnerable and, like, easily persuadable. And they were like, hey, if you write Kureha this, like, very, very mild Dear Jane letter mm -hmm. and tell her that, like, this upperclassman's going to be her new friend, mm -hmm. we will protect her by kind mm -hmm. of pulling her into the group and you can take the pain. They were never gonna mm -hmm. they were never gonna do that. They were going to yeah, no, let her think that's what was that. going to happen right up until Kareha got the letter, then tell her, mm -hmm. ha, your girlfriend broke up with you in Burnfield. So like yeah. really rough metaphorically, is this the like, hey, the two of you are acting kind of gay. Alright. No, it was me. I was the gay one. She didn't understand the letter kind of yeah like yeah like basically like i see that you two are the gays but if you denounce the gays then we'll let the other one slide because she'll probably just crawl back into the closet after you die because we believe Womp -womp. the social pressure we create will do the job or we were just gonna be bitches in the first place which is probably <laughs> yeah it's yeah girls are terrible to each other yeah like that's kind of the point of the invisible storm is that it's yeah it's a it's a machine made to turn everyone in this group against every other member of this group. So you mean it's Twitter? Yeah, basically. It, I mean, I, they I, are like, literally... You, you joke. You joke. I'm not no, joking. Not I'm not all. joking. Yeah. That is literally like... Yeah, it's, it's literally... It's designed like a kind of social media group for the express purpose of controlling each member. We cannot let any conservatives watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Because cancel culture is a thing in the show, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they can't wait to actually validate their idea of that concept. Yeah. So it's this is this is cancel culture the way that like like conservatives describe uh two queer people on the internet acting. <laughs> oh, they're cancel culturing each other. The cancel culture. Da, da, da. Mm. Like it's a very extreme. Yeah, but I was it having Doctor flashbacks when they did that vote. What's really funny to me, especially, is you could read this... Like, what's obviously going on here is that Sumi, Sumika and Kureha are being singled out because they're queer. Mm -hmm. But there's, like, two other things going on there. One, everyone in that room is... You notice that the vote is a ranked system? Yeah. It has to be unanimous, but there is a ranked choice system. So yeah, it's, like it's the Earth fascist, you know, the circle must always get smaller. Yeah, like yeah. so that's like the other bit of it is, you know, if you're number two on that list, you have a lot more pressure to vote for number one because you know if you don't do it, you're next. And yeah, you're technically voting against your own interests there, but at some Oh okay. This is gonna sound kind of weird. Yeah. So like cause you were talking like uh because Alice mentioned like the the closing circle and things like that and you have this group of kids or girls that are systematically voting each other out for being queer mm -hmm. like you know to run with the obvious pretext 
or subtext. Yeah. Basically what you're forcing to have happen there is that as you narrow the, the, the population from which you're drawing and as you've removed presumably the more openly queer people because mm-hmm. that's how you get voted off the island, mm-hmm. your definition of who the outsider is will keep closing into a narrower and narrower scope mm-hmm. and what defines queerness will close into a narrower and narrower scope until like, you know... You, you took too long to pull your panties up in gym means you're the gay. Like, like yeah. it's going to absolutely warp any perception that these girls well, have as is, to what actual queer people this look is like. what is actually happening to conservatives in yeah. the States. And it is. I, you remember me mentioning that, like I said, Prester Jane is not in t- something I would take entirely at face value, mm-hmm. but she does describe the compaction cycle, which is... Um, very much what's going on here this is also how cults retain their membership yeah it's basically you get rid of people for perceived flaws and the amount of flaws keeps mounting because you have potential flaws because what you're like the the ultimate goal of the person in charge quote unquote Mm -hmm. in charge is to make sure that you've got only true believers left right or people who can hide themselves well enough to be mistaken for true believers. What? What? Is that what that is? Oh, God. I haven't... All right. I haven't been on the internet early enough. I'm just going to let that go. Okay. I'm like, do, do these girls... Are they, like, trying to create, like, the conservative super straights? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, they're trying pretty to, much. like, concentrate their populace yeah. into, like... It's it's that guy who did the thing where he, like, crushed M&Ms together to find stronger than M&M, but, like, for homophobia. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, this is, this like, is literally a conservative stronghold. Yeah. Which it is. Yeah. What I find really interesting is actually like you bring that up and well, you brought up cults and like the, the cult membership thing. That's kind of what's going on there literally. But what's fascinating about the invisible storm is at this point, the cult doesn't seem to really have a leader. Like it there does. are multiple girls yeah. in this class who you could point to as the leader. But they're kind Not of interesting. None of them are. There's the yeah. there's a lack of cult of personality or anything here. Yeah, it's the choices it's, they're making. It's a cult without the cult leader. It's. I mean, though, think back to 2014. Yeah, like I, I actually I think I brought this up when we did the uh, the first recording of this episode, but mm-hmm. this kind of intersects with this whole. This is a critique I've seen a couple of different pieces of Japanese media making of specifically Japanese social culture. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is a tendency in Japanese public life that, you know, shows up that to be criticized in this way, where, like, mm-hmm. you kind of shun people for basically the perceived fault of being unable to pick up sufficiently on other people's social signals. Mm-hmm. Like, not being able to read the room is a big deal. And, yeah, yeah. like, that's kind of... I, I kind of make that connection because... A very common. She actually, literally she actually yeah. says at one point, yeah, "Evil that... people who can't read the room." Yeah, like yeah. Uh, I believe what she is saying there, amusingly, is the actual um, the Japanese version of that saying doesn't literally that idiom doesn't literally translate to "can't read the room." It's mm-hmm. you can't read the atmosphere. Right. I'm pretty sure "Invisible Storm" is meant to be a direct kind of like play on words on atmosphere. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see. That. I I hope I'm right about that. I'm gonna like find out like five minutes later. You fool! You thought you understood no. this, but you only got that information secondhand from watching Gotcha Man crowds. 
And you know what? <laughs> it's still valid. <laughs> I I genuinely don't care what Ikuhara has to say. Oh! Yeah. Machi Machi. He's our mortal enemy. Yeah. You know what? Favorite enemy, Ikuhara. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. And, and you know what? He will respect us for it. Yeah. That's fair. Honestly, every single piece of media of his is just straight up about taking a giant piss on your expectations. So mm-hmm. I think he would respect somebody who's like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I kind of like that aspect. The way that the Invisible Storm plays in the show is very, is very, mm-hmm. very well thought through in terms of like, this is an actual, this is mirroring an actual thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is leaderless. That That is happening is all though? over the world, really. Yeah. The storm is leaderless. Is it though? Uh, if we're going with this, this is a really good metaphor for, you know, crowd, uh, crowd behaviors of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> there, There is no leader. There are in fuck. There, there are, are influencers. Yeah. Like, there are influencers and infiltrators. But nobody's running the show. Nobody is. Yeah. It's, it's nobody the whole, has no one bird decides the direction of the flock. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's less Literally. that there are no Literally. leaders in some ways and more that like the leader doesn't matter. The leader yeah. is just as interchangeable as any other piece. You kill yeah, the leader yeah. and um, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Because... The group continues with the same dynamic with yeah. a new face. And the social pressure well, will again, remain even in the absence of a leader. Think back to 2014, you know, before mm-hmm. people had latched on to Trump as the face of all of this. What the hell was Gamergate doing? What the hell was mm-hmm. all of that? Like, that's literally this situation here. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yuri Kuma is about gamer game. <laughs> I well, would say, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it did it come is. out with time for that to be a thing the production team might have been aware of, I think. Okay, it's who's possible. the Anita Sarkeesian of this story then? It can't really be about Gamergate until one of the bears is Vivian James. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> did, oh, oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Cognito yeah. hazard right into the brain. <laughs> oh. We need to end this before things get bad. <laughs> I'm dying. Please help. Okay, so do we have or do we have some final thoughts about this episode? It's okay if the answer to that question is no. I enjoyed it. I am I, I regret to admit I don't think this will be my favorite episode. That's I didn't I, expect that. <laughs> I am sorry. Me. Good. I'm glad you feel that way because that's how I feel when I am also thwarted that way. <laughs> like, well <laughs> fuck you, mom. <laughs> Fair. I did like, like, I did like the little bits of Ginkgo being a, a possible abusive, miserable trash fire, oh. but that's okay. That's my thing. I'm, I'm very curious uh, where it goes from here now that they've revealed that about Ginkgo, though. Because mm-hmm. that was a pretty big, you know, shit in the pot yeah. that they just did at the end there. So mm-hmm. I'm less curious about her and more curious about the teacher's role. I'm oh, sure you are. I've, I've just, mm-hmm. I've just assumed I already know the teacher's role, which is no. very... I'm, there's something that there's some there's a missing piece there she's not gonna be exactly what we think but we'll see we'll see but that's that's the one i'm most curious about now well you're gonna love the the next two episodes 
I, you know what? I already know that because we did look at the wiki to like review the, we, I, we have tried very carefully not to read the plot summary of the, of episode seven, but I did comment that Ikuhara himself was doing storyboards for it. And they yeah. had two different key animators mm-hmm. for the humans versus the bears. And I'm like, oh, that means this is going to be an important episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it has, it has, ca- it has staff armor. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Allison yeah. Cross, do you have some final thoughts? I'm just going to say all the final thoughts that I said in the previous recording, but louder this time. And uh, retroactively, I'm not sure how much I should regret, like, connecting the Moon Girl and the Forest Girl thing to Tanabata, but that was in my head. And I will stick with that reading. I like Because that. Alice will get mad at me if I don't. I will? Okay. You will. You will be like, no, you, I'll be like later, well, you, you already did. I was like, oh, I think that was probably really spurious. And you were like, you... It was there. Wait, did we literally <laughs> just not mention the black lily? Yeah, we. You know what? That we we missed something. We literally just totally forgot we to we mention the black lily. Forgot to mention the black lily. Oh yeah, I just I just took it for granted that yeah. Well, of course there's a black lily arc, and then yeah. I just sort of left it. I, yeah. That's probably where we can leave that. To be honest, actually, I literally told you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but we didn't run off on a tangent afterwards. We just, got, I think we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, black one, whatever. That's, I just felt, that felt like such a natural evolution of any Ikuhara bullshit that we didn't comment on. Like, yeah, that's fair. The lily is black. Now the show's Ooh. getting real. Yeah. Alice, mm-hmm. do you have any final thoughts? No, I think I've said what I needed to say. Okay. All right, well, that has been our Spadaro cut of this <laughs> episode six discussion in yeah. all of its horrible glory f's in chat for your editing later i know right uh we will be doing these for episode six through either nine, eight or eight. nine i eight we nine. have technically recorded an episode nine but i'm thinking that we could potentially just make that a patron exclusive and then return to our whatever whatever you want to do format for episodes nine through twelve. We'll see how all of that goes, mm-hmm. but this will be us uh, finishing out Yuri Kuma so that uh, I can finally set Yasha and Vana free from my podcast shaped cage. <laughs> you're never really free of the pi- the panda podcast. You're never cage. really yeah. free, but you can be free from weekly obligations. <laughs> That's true. Well, no, like at the, we've already discussed it. The next one's going to be Imagine Me in the Seventh Expansion. So you're letting them free oh, in order yes. to capture me. I'm, yes, I'm. I'm <laughs> opening the cage so that they can exit and you can enter. <laughs> You're opening it so I can enter that exiting is completely incidental to this process. Listeners, <laughs> if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtanaCast. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-O-F. And Cass, you are not really on social media, but what would you like to use this space to promote? I would like to use this space to promote municipal tap water and also the fact that Alice and I have our own podcast. Uh, it's called Big Steppy. It's a podcast about real robot media, primarily Gundam, but we are branching out. We just finished recording a bonus episode on the tabletop role-playing game Lancer, which we are both fans of. And we will hopefully be uh, having that one whenever the editing is done on it, uploaded soon. You can find our social media for that podcast 
on Twitter at at SteppyCast. That's S-T-E-P-P-Y-C-A-S-T. Ooh, I remembered it this time. Yay! And Yasha, Vana, where can people find you guys on the internet? You can find us at ohtori.nu, which is... That's a website. Still being updated, yes. You don't type it into Twitter. Vana explained to a 16-year-old on the Discord that you can actually make your own website on the internet and nobody can stop you from doing that. And it blew her mind. Oh, yeah. Bless their little Zoomer hearts. Yeah. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's O-H-T-O-R-I underscore N-U. And listeners, if you would like to allow... If you would like to give Alice permission to force me to watch something, hopefully Wolf's Reign, but something, you can uh, support us on Patreon. You can find the link to our Patreon anywhere. You can find us on the web. And our next goal is for Alice to make me watch something. And like I said, I'm hoping it's Wolf's Rain. I will probably be making you watch Wolf's Rain unless I unless I just like have an overwhelming desire to watch Girls on Panzer. Yes, it was Girls on Panzer that I couldn't think no, of. It, well, obviously we're going to split the difference and Sora no Wolto. Oh, yeah, okay. No, I'm saving that for when I do a podcast about Sora no Wolto. <laughs> but yeah, if you would like to uh, enable Alice to make me watch either... Wolf's Reign or Girls on Panzer, you can uh, support us on Patreon. We're like, we're under $20 away from that goal. So we are very close. Uh, and also keep an eye on our merchandise tier because I have been working on a new merch design that uh, <laughs> I support. most everyone so you know. in this recording has seen. I don't think I don't know if Cass has seen it. I, sent I it, haven't. You kept me out of the loop. I sent it to Alice, and she should have shown you. But I will make sure that you see it when this is done because I was I was workshopping it with Vana and some of our other friends in a a group chat, and then I sent it to Alice. <laughs> but I need to make sure Cass sees it too. But keep an eye out because this is going to be a piece of merch that i have wanted to make basically since the beginning of the podcast this was like my original idea for imagine me and utina merchandise so uh i'm very excited to see that through to fruition all right that that's the episode gal gal everyone gal 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 look for the best.